Welcome to the Go Lead Everything podcast. Do you aspire to become the best leader you can be? Then come along with me and GLE. Faith, love, integrity, courage. Four key values of great leaders all around the world. I'm Phil Swanson, and I'm on a mission to bring you leaders from all walks of life and arm you with the tools and mindset to lead effectively in whatever you are called to do. Are you ready? Because it's time to go lead everything. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of GLE. I'm real excited. I got a good friend on the show with me today. He is the principal of Andalusia Development Company. And he oversees all aspects of the acquisition, disposition, and the development processes for Andalusia Development Company. He's led all facets of the business. Their business spans more than $100 million in commercial assets, primarily in multifamily and retail. And he's a second-generation real estate investor and developer. I'm really excited to talk to Ahmed today and just glean his wisdom, share his wisdom with the GLE audience. Ahmed. Welcome to GLE. Thank you very much. It's a uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Awesome, man. Ahmed Sarafi. You guys, you got to go follow him. He's putting out good content on Instagram at Ahmed Builds Better. Uh, you can also find uh, all the other stuff he's doing at Ahmed10k.com, or you can follow the hashtag I Build Better. So go give him a follow and see the stuff he's putting out. Ahmed, t- start off telling us your story, man. What uh, what was it like growing up, the son of a successful real estate developer? Well, you know, it's uh, we kind of started building to get together. You know, we started doing the work together about 16, 18 years ago. We really started getting into real estate full time. But, you know, growing up, I grew up in my dad's gas station. You know, he had a gas station for, you know, 40 years. And I grew up in the gas station weekends after school and then all through college. It took me almost eight years to go through college because I was pumping gas 60 hours a week. <laughs> yeah. It took a while. Yeah. I failed, I failed a few classes because of it too, you know, because growing up in an immigrant family, you're expected to, you know, chip in and, and be a part of what, what takes care of the family. And that gas station was it. So I definitely did a lot of, a lot of hours at that gas station, ate a lot of potato chips and drink a lot of soda over the years. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, so, yeah. And then, you know, from the gas station on, we sold the gas station. I took the money, went out and invested in some real estate. My dad bought some land along the way. And then from there on out, we just started slowly growing and growing a, a business and a portfolio. Wow. That's awesome, man. So I remember back to my high school days, I had some friends that had families. They, they were you know, sort of immigrant families as well. And they owned gas stations. And like, I remember my buddy who I'd ride around with, he'd always have to go work, work at the gas station. But I remember thinking like, I always had a weird perspective on entrepreneur people. Cause I came from an employee family. And so I came from a go to college, get your degree, go get your job family. And so like, I don't know, like I never had any aspiration to be a business owner, you know, in my younger, in my younger days, I'm just curious, like from your perspective, growing up on the complete opposite of that, you know, did you feel like an outcast when it came to like a traditional go to college sort of thing or what, what was it like growing up? You know, it was interesting because growing up with an entrepreneurial father, I had aspirations of having a corporate job. Oh, wow. 
yeah, I always wanted to be a uh, commercial airline pilot, you know, work for a big airline and just fly planes around the world for the rest of my life because okay. I was completely fascinated with these big giant machines that you fly and gets off the ground and you can go somewhere different all the time. So I, you know, my aspirations were, Hey, you know, be a commercial airline pilot, you know, just loved aviation, loved planes, you know, and uh, my father never pushed me to go into a certain career or a certain major or a certain something at school is always like, Hey, you got to go to college and get a degree. Uh, as long as it's within a business or something type related field or engineering or something like that, that you can do something with it. It's fine, but go to college. And then once you graduate, it's a different story after that, but just go to college to get a degree mm-hmm. because, you know, college is not necessarily for the education, but for the experience, for the social skills, for the for the teamwork, for the uh, other type of building exercises you do with other people there. Those are the type of skills that will take you into your career, or into your entrepreneurial journey or whatever you have after that. Because let's be honest, how many of us remember our, you know, intro to American history or our, you know, our foreign currency classes? Not many of us do, and I don't for sure, but I do remember the social aspect of, of college and, and creating friendships and, and working together in teams and going down that road in that journey and, and just strengthening that muscle. Yeah. hundred percent. I don't think my intro to film class really uh, did anything for me in my financial right. well-being in, in the future. Uh, right. Yeah. Not for many of us, at least that's for sure. <laughs> so develop it, development, real estate mm-hmm. development. You know, I think most of the, the average Joe's when they think of real estate or, you know, they're thinking of flipping houses, they're thinking of, you know, you, you buy a home, maybe it appreciates, you make a little money, whatever. Talk a little bit about development specifically and what, you know, what exactly you do as a development company. You know, um, that's the fun part, you know, to me, you know, a lot of people get into business or become entrepreneurs or things because they want to make money. To me, if you enjoy what you're doing and you're good at it, the money will follow automatically. And I went from, you know, from college to commercial real estate broker to commercial, you know, construction company, you know, general manager and to, into, you know, full-time developing, you know, I kind of did that, that progress, you know, alongside the family business, which I was working in full-time as well. And now I'm full-time there, but, you know, the development journey is, it's not rocket science, but it, you do have to be patient because all my life, I love building things. I love putting things together. I love creating things out of nothing, whether you're baking a cake from raw materials or you're taking your a box of Legos and creating a rocket ship out of it. I love putting things together to create something at the end. And I think that's why my journey into real estate development has been so enjoyable and so productive to me because I enjoy what I'm doing. And it goes from every aspect of it, from site selection to evaluation, to negotiation, to escrow, to closings, to architects, to engineers, to applications and permits and approvals. And then it goes from there, it goes to construction documents and contractors and subcontractors. And then you have a completed project and then you can either take it to market and for lease or for sale. So there's a huge process involved. I mean, many aspects of real estate are involved in development. You need a good team around you. But I just enjoy step-by-step assembling that puzzle piece by piece. And at the end of the day, you have a completed puzzle. And that's that's the joy I get out of it. 
That's super cool, man. Super cool. So, you know, you mentioned something that came, came to mind. I was going to ask you about it. You know, this is go lead everything. You talked about building a good team. You know, when you said you and your dad got into, you know, building the company after you graduated. Um, it was kind of at the same time I graduated, we sold the gas station we, and I took that money and, I, and we went and invested into a bunch of multifamily property out in Arizona. And at the same time, over the years, took some of that cash or the refinance money and bought some land parcels as well over the years. And now I am now moving forward with developing those opportunities as well as acquiring new properties um, for new developments and filling up the pipeline for the next five to seven years from now on out. So it was kind of, you know, buy some existing property to produce a cash flow, then buy some land opportunities and get those ready for development in that pipeline in the next few years. Mm -hmm. So what, like when you were doing that coming, you know, during that time, how do you go about selecting properties? How do you go about saying, okay, you know, it's time to build a team around us. What, like what's going on through your head? It's kind of like pretty much choosing what you're going to eat for dinner you know, and sticking with it, saying, hey, I, I'm going to have steak, I'm going to stick with steak, or I like pasta, I'm going to stick with pasta. Um, and you evaluate why you want that food and 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 where you want to have it. It's the same thing with real estate. You say, hey, I'm here in Southern California. We are in a housing drought. We need to provide more housing. So that's why we're moving forward in the multifamily space because it provides housing because the demographic here demands it. If I was in, say, Salt Lake City, I would be choosing between industrial property and, and housing or, or apartments because that's very strong in Salt Lake City is the uh, both the uh, industrial product as well as the uh, housing product. So it's kind of like what is needed in that market. And then once you figure out what you can provide for that market, then you stick with it and then you learn about it and you grow with it and you, and you research it and you execute upon it. So with me, Southern California uh, is in, a need for housing so definitely moving towards that that way not necessarily a need for retail buildings that's a different type of product and that's something that's not as much in demand here so i follow the demands follow the trends and follow the demographics so you're coming to move to austin with tesla and everybody else yeah well you know if i had an opportunity in austin i'd definitely take it because the uh the political climate there as well as the tax structures are pretty favorable compared to what's here in california yeah, hundred percent, man, hundred percent. I always, I was always curious yeah. what people are doing in California, what's going through their minds, man. It's crazy times, yeah. Well, if you got an opportunity for me in Texas, I am all ears. Trust me. Okay, there you go. Cool. We'll we'll have to talk about that. So, um, sure. <laughs> you touched a little bit on on developers and and like really covering all aspects. I mean, just walking through, you know, step by step by step by step by step. You know, if you're if you're talking to somebody just getting into the business. Like, you know, you got your Grant Cardone's. I got, I got a buddy, um, Rohan Jahar, founder of JT Capital. He's got a big real estate portfolio, looking at a lot of multifamily deal stuff. You know, there, there's the philosophy of start, you know, start with a flip or start with a, a rental property or, you, you know, you can do the Burr model. You can even start with a duplex or, you know, a live-in sort of thing. So many ways, like you said, it's like picking, picking dinner and sticking with it. Like what, what do you recommend to a newbie getting their feet wet in real estate? Or is it just a personal preference thing? Like what, what now having your perspective, what, what would you tell somebody who's just trying to figure it out? First thing 
I always tell people that come to me for advice or mentorship or guidance or, or tutoring or what have you not. The first thing I tell anyone, no matter what, is get your real estate license. Because without your real estate license, you're passing up on commissions, you're passing up on referrals, you're passing up on money that you could be making along the way through your real estate journey. So with that, without that real estate license, you would not be getting a lot of the money that is due to you. Um, I've been a licensed real estate broker for 15 years now. And as a commercial broker, I did a lot of warehouse and industrial deals. And I kept in contact with my clients. And over the years, I still tell people to this day, I am still a licensed commercial broker. I can, you know, if you ever need advice or help, please come to me. Let me know if I can be a service to you. This year alone for 2021, I am on track to make $70,000 in passive income just by referring deals to other brokers because people come to me looking for help. And I say, well, I got a license and I got a team of guys that I work with. I highly suggest you work with them. You don't have to, but you should because I trust them and I work with them on a daily basis as well. And I refer the business to them, but I, but they give me a referral fee because I have a because I still have my license. Yeah. $70,000 passive, just referring business. That's what I'm talking about. By having a real estate license, don't pass up on a dollar. So first thing you do, get your license. Once you get your license, you're now in that real estate circle. You're now talking to other real estate agents and brokers and escrow and title and loan professionals. You are creating that team, that network, those relationships. So it's definitely, definitely, definitely very smart. First thing you do is get your real estate license. I love that. Great tip. Great tip. The, the networking piece is something I ignored for so long. Like I, you think it back, I, I kind of knew it, you know, it's kind of like knowledge versus belief. You know, you can know something, but your, you know, your behavior is going to follow when you actually believe it. And everybody always said, you know, the values in your network, it's all about who, you know, all that stuff, right? Cliche phrases. And it wasn't until I joined, you know, Tony's three, six, five driven society where we met and, and, um, you know, started taking a proactive approach to really, you know, meeting people that were doing different things and growing myself that I really started to understand exactly why everyone said that all those years, right? Like net, networking is so important. Like how, how did you go about building your network early on, you know, after you got your license, just starting out? Like what, what, what did that look like for you? You know, I made a big mistake early on huge mistake and i want to you know reiterate this to a lot of the younger crowd out there who's listening and watching this is if you're going to school if you're in college or in your trade school or what have you not whatever your whatever path you're taking and whatever you know part of your life journey you're in maintain those relationships even if it's just an occasional text message to a friend every six months saying hey hope you're doing well let's catch up sometime or if it's a, or a voicemail or an email or something like that, you may even not even like hanging out with the person or you may not like them too much, but they're just an acquaintance. Just put something out there to keep them in your mind and your, and you in their mind, because you never know when you're going to need that relationship and they're going to need you. So after college, I got my job and I went off and I started working in corporate real estate and I was around a lot of corporate real estate people, but then a lot of, associations and friendships and acquaintances from college I let die and now looking back on I'm like there's a lot of friends and a lot of opportunities and a lot of relationships and a lot of good things that I could have maintained that I never did so I kind of had to restart that all over again through my corporate you know real estate career so along the way 
you know, you meet a lot of people and then you find people that you really connect with people, you know, that are good people know that they're always looking out for your best interests. And those are the type of people you build on, because if, if that's the type of people they are, most likely they're attracting that type of people into their circle. And that's a circle that you want to be a part of and they want to be a part of your circle. Mm-hmm. So definitely don't, you know, burn a bridge. Don't forget about people. Always do your best to maintain those relationships because you never know when you're going to need them. Yeah. hundred percent, man. I went through the same thing. I remember deactivating my Facebook, right? Like I had all these people on Facebook years ago and I'm in my corporate job. I'm like, man, I don't need pictures of me dressed up like Slipknot on Halloween floating <laughs> around the, the corporate office. Right. But, um, you know, why real estate over, over anything else? Like you could have, you guys could have done anything like what, what made you go real estate's the, the thing for us versus, you know, I got, I had a guy, I asked cause I had a guy recently talking to me about investments and stuff. And I was trying to explain, you know, you look at real estate deals and it's, you see the percent returns, right. But there's so many other kind of intangible benefits that go along with a real estate deal, you know, with tax advantages and things like that, that if you're, if you're just getting 15% from, you know, the SP 500 or whatever you're investing, right? Like yeah. and you don't get those things and, and you really got to look at that big picture. So like what, what made you choose real estate? You know, for me, choosing real estate was, was me uh, getting towards the end of my college career or my college education and speaking to a professor of mine about it, who was a real estate developer who uh, managed a large development company. And, you know, saying, hey, you know, I'm getting close. I'm looking for, you know, a job, uh, a career, somewhere related to finance and real estate because I was taking finance and real estate classes. That was going to be my degree. I enjoyed both of those very much. And he suggested going to commercial real estate. Go be a commercial real estate broker. I'm like, okay, why me? He's like, because you are exposed to so much. You are around so much in all aspects of real estate. And I think it's a very good place for you to go go make money, go make those relationships and go get that education. So I was able to uh, get recruited by CB Richard Ellis, which is, you know, we know now as CBRE, worked many years here in Southern California, um, you know, doing warehouse uh, industrial sales and leases for many years and then just kind of moved on from there. So it was actually a referral from a professor to go and get into commercial real estate, go be a broker, be exposed to all sorts of uh, niches in real estate and all certain disciplines in real estate and all different professionals in real estate, because he saw that was something that gelled with me. And when I did, it actually worked out pretty well. So it's awesome, man. Good advice. Good advice from a a successful guy who'd done it. Right. So, you know, that's, I think that's so important, you know, for, if you're listening out there, find people like Ahmed, others that are doing what you want to do. And, you know, it's easy to take advice from people that you love who might, you know, want what's best for you. But if they don't have the relationships you want, if they don't have the results you want, if they're not doing the things you do, you want to do, you know, just take their advice with a grain of salt, you know, maybe, maybe weigh it against other advice from people that are actually doing the stuff you want to do. And, uh, you know, it might be worth, uh, giving them a little more credibility with, with their advice. Don't you think? I think a lot of people you know, their egos get in the way, you know, ego will kill everything. Like, Oh, I don't need to listen to this guy. He's not that successful. Or I don't need to listen to this guy because he only knows how to 
how to build cars or how to do this. It has nothing to deal with what I want to do. Actually, it does. You think just because the guy builds cars, that's all he knows? No, he knows relationships. He knows negotiation. He knows vendors. He knows salespeople. He knows clients. He knows customer appreciation. There's a lot of things that guy can teach you. But unfortunately, we grew up thinking that, oh, this guy only does is build cars. That's all he knows. No, there's a whole lot of stuff you can learn from them. But our egos get in the way and prevent us from actually asking those questions or looking past what's just in front of us and what's really there. Heck yeah. Awesome yeah. advice. Awesome advice, Ahmed. What do you got to do to become a commercial real estate broker? That is the same thing as, you know, becoming a real commercial real estate agent. You know, like I said, first go get your license, do your research, uh, look at the different product types that are out there, warehouses, offices, retail, um, and then start investigating commercial real estate firms and start doing your homework on on the firm and the structure and the core values and the mindset of the firm because all the firms are different. Some firms are huge and they're global companies and big giant machines. And they're good if you wanna do big kind of deals and, and international national type clientele. And then there's smaller regional clients or regional firms who are really good at what they do. They have great network, they're you know well-known locally and they get a lot of business because they are subject matter experts. So it all goes back into saying, hey, I'm really interested in apartments or I'm really interested in warehouses. I want to get into that business. I want to start being a broker. You know, I grew up, I know my neighborhood. I know my market. I know my city, my community, my County. I want to be able to be the guy that transacts these deals on behalf of clients. Go get your license, go study at night, go stay on weekends, go take a crash course online and then start investigating the commercial real estate firms out there and start, you know, making relationships and, and connecting with people on LinkedIn and looking for job opportunities or internships. It's just like every other corporate job out there is you need to apply, you need to know somebody, you need to, you know, connect, you know, through an internship or a, some other type of relationship and then, you know, go down those paths. Yeah. So you get your license and, it, it's is it the same sort of licensure process as, as traditional single family sort of stuff? Same license, yeah, okay. no different, yeah, no different just, at all. Yeah, the license is the license, it's the specialty in which you apply. It. You know, if you go and become a barber and you get your barber license, well, you can work on people with long hair all day long and become a specialist, or you can go, you know, focus on people with high tight fades and become a specialist with that. It's the same yeah. license, it's just how you apply it, sure. Yeah. So commercial real estate took a major hit over the last couple of years with COVID and all this stuff, right? So, you know, just curious, your perspective being so close to the industry, what what are you seeing as the future? Like, what are they going to do with all these office spaces now that, you know, so many companies are sending all their people home full time? You know, that was a really interesting question because, you know, 18 months ago, I would have told you office space is going to die and there's going to be a lot of opportunities to pick it up for the cheap because everyone is working from home, telecommuting, whatever you want to call it. And they've had studies that people who work from home are just as productive as if they were in the office. And then they've had studies that say, hey, 80 or 90% of the people want to come back to the office two, three, four days a week, but not full-time. So right. you're, kind of, you're kind of stuck between, hey, we can keep everyone home and be productive, or we could have people come back to the office and be just as productive. Mm -hmm. So right now, in a lot of the major metropolitan markets and areas, 
office leasing and office growth is, is doing fairly well, a lot better than we all expected. We thought it was going to be decimated and it wasn't. But at the same time, if you take a look, industrial properties, industrial buildings are on fire. You know, everything is now home delivery. Everything now is service-based. Everything now is convenience. You know, you jump on your app on your phone yeah. and it shows up at your house the next morning. You know what crazy. I mean? So how does that happen? That's technology affecting the supply chain and then everyone adapting to make it work. You know, it's the Amazon model. So whether it's your food or your tennis shoes or anything in between, you can order it online and you can that can happen for you. I mean, it's the same thing with medical care. You know, doctors are now having telemedicine conferences, uh, apartment buildings and, and other types of facilities are now having uh, telemedicine rooms where you can go get in front of a flat screen and a camera right. and have an interview with the doctor because you're not sick enough to go see him, but you don't feel good enough just to stay home. So you could have a hybrid of that as well. So yeah. it's all about service and convenience right now. And that's where the whole industry is going. For sure, for sure. So I got to ask, what's your favorite or like, do you have in all the developments you've done, like, do you have a unique and maybe not your favorite, but like a unique development that kind of stands out as just a really cool one, maybe compared to some of the others? It was, uh, it wasn't my project. It wasn't my development. It was back when I was doing uh, commercial contracting and I was part of a team that built a large culinary school and a performing arts building here in Southern California. So it was, it was, a, it was a public job. It was a school district, a community college district. And I was part of the team, the construction team that made it happen. And this facility is so high tech and so advanced. It's the most acoustically sound performing arts center and the most uh, high tech and advanced culinary school west of the Mississippi. Oh, wow. And the amount of time and effort and difficulties and struggles and construction uh, schedules and, and labor and materials and specialties that were involved in this project made it, it was excruciating. It was a really hard project because it was so far advanced in every way. But once the project was completed and you drive by it, you're like, wow, that's a really amazing looking building. Wow, I hear a lot of amazing things about that. That's really cool. You know, it's serving the community, it's serving the students. It has an amazing performing arts center that if you walk in the doors and you look up, it's like the most amazing thing you've ever seen. And the culinary school is super high tech and you can go there for lunch. And so it was just that project I really enjoyed, even though it was really difficult. The finished product was just really amazing. And I just really enjoyed being a part of that one as well. That's awesome, man. Very cool. Very cool. I know you're passionate about quality and I, you know, I've heard you talk up just, you know, kind of about some of the things you see the many real estate investors, builders, developers do, or, you know, they, they cut corners and they, they try to save a buck here and there. And, and, um, you know, it ends up costing them later in relationships or, you know, future business or, or other things like, Talk a little bit to the investor, the, you know, the guy who's going to do a house flip or something like what, how important is, is making sure you have high quality product? I think it's really important, especially if you are the investor who's going to keep something for the long term. You know, we got a lot of merchant builders out there, the, the home builders that are, you know, KB, Lennar, Hanovi, and all those guys, which, you know, they make a very 
good product and you know they're good looking you know homes but they're built fast they're built inexpensively and they're built to last but not really last through time so when i talk about building better and building for quality and building for the long term it's not necessarily about how well you put the building together because you know most buildings are built pretty pretty solidly um I talk a lot about, okay, the design of the building. Hey, if you're going to keep something for the long term, make sure it's designed well, because in 10 years from now or 15 years, you're going to want to do a major remodel. It's going to be very difficult to do a remodel if you got some sort of building that has really funky architecture. It was really cool in the year 2021, but by 2035, it's completely outdated and it's going to cost you a lot of money to remodel it. Hey, you got a really good price on all these air conditioning units and you have to buy a hundred of them you know, you got a good price, but those air conditioning units are not as easy to get spare parts for. Those air conditioning units probably won't last as long as some of the other ones will, but you're trying to save money. I want people to think about the longevity. If you're going to be an investor or a developer and you're going to hold on to your property for the long term, look at the things that you're going to be needing to maintain for the long term. Your mechanical systems, your plumbing, your landscaping, your roofing, uh, even the design of the property for the long term. Um, and that's just, you know, on the basics I'm talking, and then we can get down to, you know, quality of construction. I mean, how many times have you popped your head into the ceiling and you saw nothing but construction trash and debris left up there by contractors who is too lazy to throw it away <laughs> 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. It's like, you know, you guys are being very lazy and being very in, you know, not intentional about what you're doing. Why do you have to be like that? You're not only hurting yourself, but you're hurting your client or you're hurting the tenant or you're hurting somebody for the long run because you're trying to cut a corner because you're trying to save a penny. You're trying to save a penny, but you're leaving all the dollars on the floor. And it's just people don't take the time to think about 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. Architects, engineers, uh, draftsmen, when they draw a project and they put it together and they submit it, they think about today. But I'm like, hey, I want you to think about tomorrow and 10 years from now about what you're designing. Hey, can we remodel? Can we upgrade? Can we change? Are we thinking that maybe in 10 years from now, there may be a whole new kind of technology that we can take advantage of, but we're not planning for it now. You know, we have an electrical closet or a communications closet or whatever, but it's too small. Why don't we make it a little bit bigger for the future? Hey, Amazon is becoming the trend. Is there a way we can figure out to design a project now that in 10 years from now, it's going to be super convenient for the tenants or the users or whoever occupies that project to get deliveries, to get uh, things in and out and stuff like that. You're thinking about now. I want to think about now and 10 years from now when I do something. I love that mindset that, you know, the, having the long-term vision, I think is so important. And we are in this environment where every, we want to get rich quick. We want everything fast. We want it tomorrow. We want our Amazon package today, you know, same day delivery, next day delivery. And, um, you know, having that long-term view, I think is so, so important. Right. And, um, are you in crypto at all? What do you know about crypto? Do you know anything about crypto? I know about $5,000 worth of crypto. That's about all I know. I is it worth 60,000 today or? <laughs> That's what they say. You know, I'm kind of kicking myself for not getting into it 10 years ago like everyone else did. But, you know. Did you invest you, with our buddy Joel? Uh, no, I did not. Did not. Yeah. Uh, everyone has a new coin. Everyone has a new token. I'm like, okay, 
this is a full-time job and I don't have time for another one, you know? Yeah. So I got Joe Clellan coming on the show soon to teach me all about it. Cause I don't know anything about it. And I like, yeah. to me, if you don't know anything about it, you're just gambling. Like, yeah, you, you got to know what you're doing. Right. And you know, it's yeah. cool. If you want to gamble, you know, some people are making money, but, um, you know. a lot of people talk about it. i mean that you know everyone's like crypto crypto i'm like yeah i get it it's the new thing it's the next thing it will take off but you know from what i understand is there's a lot of crypto and tokens that are out there that are just baseless and there's a lot out there that are backed by major corporations and institutions that you know will go somewhere but that's a lot of work to do that research and understand that so i'm just not there yet with it but right. i wish i would i'm not sure yeah. so you know if you're going to go do a real estate deal and say you want to branch into looking at deals where you find investors and you, and you, and you want to try to find investor funded deals and, and round up some investors, what, what process would you go through? How would you go about finding investors for your deal? Like say, you know, how do you go about and how did you build a network where you ha you can f have investors for your deals? I think finding investors is probably the easier part of real estate. Now getting them to commit is another thing. The biggest thing that you can do is provide an opportunity for people to become a part of it. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, um, we all know Aaron Wagner. And Aaron Wagner says, you know, you know, ideas are a dime a dozen, but execution is what really makes, makes it work. And so, you know, if you find your opportunity and you're able to find a way to execute on it, people are going to want to jump on that bandwagon. They want to go and be a part of it. It's just like investing in crypto. Hey, that's a really good opportunity, a really good product. I want to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. And to do that is also to, to be on social media, to advertise and put out the information and the, and the uh, success stories that you have of what you're doing. Because the more people see you being successful at what you do, the more people are going to want to be a part of that. You know, if I see somebody, um, cooking a steak, you know, every weekend and they're making the most amazing steaks in the world. And they got thousands and thousands of followers and comments. And all of a sudden they're saying, yeah, I'm thinking about opening a steakhouse in Houston, um, looking for investors. I'd be like, Hey, let me, let me get into that because I know what you do. I know how good you do it. And I know how many people follow you. And I know how people have the same sentiment about you are a subject matter expert. And if you're the subject matter expert, let me be a part of that. Let me invest with you. Let me help you grow at the same time. It's helping me in my investments. So putting it out on social media and letting people know you're the subject matter expert is the best thing you can do. Because yeah. once people see that, they're going to want to jump on board and they're going to be asking and begging you to be a part of your next deal and your next deal and your next deal. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's that reputation that, you know, people see in that you've proven it, right? You, you're yeah. reliable. And, um, you know, I love the idea of showing people your successes too. I think yeah. many people are probably a little hesitant to show off. You know, they don't want to be perceived as vain or whatever, you know, but there's really something to that. Did you struggle with that? Showing off, putting yourself on social media? Yeah, it was kind of hard. It's kind of like the imposter syndrome. Like, you know, who am I to put this information out there? Who am I to share my successes? Who am I to show people how to build and acquire and develop and evaluate? I'm just, I'm just a med from Southern California, you know. But then, you know, if you start thinking about it, I got 20 years of experience. I got 20 years of success and failures. You know, I don't think there's many people out there that 
couldn't actually share more than I can share. Right. And it's just being practical about it, you know, and looking at it from a third person saying, you know, actually you do have a lot of experience. You do have a lot of success and a lot of failures and you can help people by putting it out there. So what's stopping you from doing it? Not to say anything, but I've been doing real estate a lot longer than Grant Cardone. Right. Sure. But look what he did. He took his successes. He put it out there. He created a a company and he created a movement and look how fast he's growing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and there's people out there that are more successful and smarter than I am. And more people, there are a lot of people out there who are less successful and and less intelligent than I am. But it's all about putting the information out there, doing your best to be a good steward, and then hoping people will recognize and realize that you are actually, you know, walking the walk and talking the talk and and showing the, the reasons and the successes and the failures behind it. So you are, you know, you're coming with the credibility versus just, you know, look at me, look what I did. This is all my success. I'm like, okay, well, what's behind it? Show us, show us behind the curtain. Yeah. I love it. I love it, man. Yeah. Stepping out and actually taking action, you know, it, it's almost like people can think the market's flooded or, you know, it's too late or there's too many people in that. It's like podcasts, right? Like there's too many podcasts out there. Like there is so much opportunity and there's so much space for people to get their share of the market in just about everything. So like, don't hesitate to go make your move, take a chance, you know, just take some action and start, you know, everybody I've ever talked to, if you're listening out there and you've been thinking about stuff, you got ideas, you got people around you, just take some action go, go do something. And you'll be amazed at how your life will just start changing little by little. I was um, at an event a couple of weeks ago called the Driven Event, and Albert Preciado, a big uh, mortgage professional here on the West Coast, put it on. Had you know Andy Frisella, Ed Milet, you know Dan Fleischman, Bobby Castro, you know some really amazing speakers, right? And the biggest takeaway I took from that weekend was, and I don't want to you know misquote it and and say someone said it and I don't want to say who it was because I'm not hundred percent sure who said it was, but somebody asked, Hey, there's a lot of competition out there. Why would I want to get into a business where there's so much competition? And the answer that was provided to this individual was there's always room for the best. There's always room for your best. No matter how much competition is out there, there's always room for the best. So if you're going to go out there, be the best, because if you are competition, doesn't matter. 100%. I love that. I absolutely love that. I recently got into a a deal. What do you know about the Airbnb space? You know, you know much about Airbnb and all that? I've been learning a lot about it because I have a a bunch of apartments out in Phoenix and it's close to the hospital, one of the major hospitals out there. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm making so much money on a monthly rental. Let me take one or two of these units, renovate them and do the Airbnb and see how that works out. Because you know, you could be getting two to 300 times more in terms of rent and revenue than you would for a monthly rental of a regular apartment or space. So it's, uh, you know, it's a lot more labor intensive, but there are some good returns on it. You know, learning about, you know, average, you know, nights per month that you're occupied and, and how that translates to dollars. People saying, you know, on average, you should be occupied from like 19 to 21 nights a a month if you're doing really well you're 23 to 25 nights a month and Mm -hmm. and you should be bringing in two to three hundred percent of your normal of the rent 
you know, things like that. So I am learning because there, there are people who are doing really, really well in it, you know? Yeah. Those numbers you just quoted, like they're no joke. I've, I've seen them work and your, your comment about being the best rang in my head. Cause I'm working with a guy um, <laughs> who's, who manages my management company. He, he works with a builder here in Houston and uh, they do tons of projects. He manages like 30 or 40 of his, his properties as Airbnbs, but, but their thing is they're the best. Like they, they make these properties nice. You know, they don't skimp on furnishing them. And when people see these properties, they're like, man, I want to go stay there and I'm going to pay a premium to do it. And you provide them with a great place to stay. You get good reviews and you know, those two to three X multiples of the rent is, is pretty wild, man. I think a lot of people who are entrepreneurs or who are in business, they forget what they're in it for. You know, right. I think, you know, for sell it's at best is like, Hey, it's all about the customer experience. The product is just a byproduct. It's just the tool to get there. Mm-hmm. So for me, real estate investments is just the tool. I need those tools to provide the best customer experience out there. So if I'm able to provide the best customer experience and real estate is my tool, that's what I'm going to use. If, if I'm in the car business, the car is just a tool. I'm here to provide the, the experience to the client. So they keep coming back over and over again. So whatever mm-hmm. business you're in, you're not in that particular business. Your business is customer experience business. And that industry you're in, that's just a tool to get you there. Boom. I love that. That's a bomb right there. Ahmed, this has been super fun, man. If you're not following Ahmed already, you got to go follow him at Ahmed Builds Better. You can go to his website, Ahmed10k.com. That links to all sorts of stuff he's got going on. Hashtag I build better. And, and clearly, you know, with all the comments he just made, he does have focus heavily on building better. Ahmed, before we leave, something I ask many of my guests. I, you know, I have the perspective. It's kind of the Gary V. I think Gary V. helped me with this perspective. Like, wouldn't it be cool to be able to see like your grandfather, your great grandfather sitting there talking to some famous developer from like the early 1900s, right? On a podcast. Like, that would just be so freaking cool. But all we yeah. have is like one picture in black and white or, you know, something sure. like that. So, like, with the perspective that two or three generations down, they might see, you know, great, great, great granddad Ahmed talking with Uncle Phil. From GLE, what what would you leave? What would you leave those generations with today? Oh man, what a question! I wish you like primed him with that one before we got on the. Uh, call. I know it's a tough one. Sometimes it, I, I've gotten it, and I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think I think it, I think it would be as is enjoy what you do, love what you do, because when you enjoy what you do and you love what you do, you're going to be the best at it, and when you're the best at it the money and the success and all of the accolades that will come with it will just come naturally. Be good at what you do, enjoy what you do, and everything else will just come along with it easily and just be proud of it. Great advice, Ahmed. Appreciate you coming on, brother. It's been fun. We'll have to talk again soon, talk about some of those uh, potential deals and whatnot, and um, we'll talk to you again, brother. Thanks again. Thank you. All right, everybody out there, you have a great day. Go lead everything. If you think someone would benefit from hearing this episode or any of this content, please share it and send them over to GoLeadEverything.com to learn more. It has been amazing to hear about all the individuals who listen to and are getting value from the content here at GLE. Thank you for your support. You are the reason we do what we do. See you next time. Go 